All right, I'll invite you to draw your conversations to a close. And we'll continue together with listening to the Word of God uh, read and preached. And we're, uh, of course, still in the season of Lent right now. And so we have a sermon looking at another encounter that Jesus has with someone from the Gospels. I'd like to invite Carol to read to us our scripture passage. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, of my half of behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have defrauded if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, it's good to be back um, preaching again this morning. I've had a couple of weeks off, um, you may have noticed. The reason for that is we had a, we had a presbytery meeting. Uh, this is like a regional meeting from church leaders from across eastern Canada. Um, I'm the clerk for, for, for that uh, meeting, so it's been a busy season, and I've really appreciated folks from Grace Toronto uh, coming across town to open up the word, but here we are together this morning. So, A couple of years ago, uh, I'm at home, I'm standing in the kitchen with Jess, and she's looking in a drawer, and she says to me, where's the garlic press? And in that moment, my heart sinks because I realize two things instantly in that moment. The first is, we don't have a garlic press. Not anymore. Because I threw it in the garbage months ago. Because it didn't spark joy in my life. (laughs) The second thing that I realize is that the garlic press is actually the only thing that I threw out. I read Marie Kondo and I threw out a garlic press. And that that was all that I did with that. It was my one application from that book. Um, I have a lot of stuff in my home. I think you probably do as well. Lots of stuff. For sure, you've got, you've got like practical items. You have like towels, you know, that, that kind of thing. But you also have, don't you, lots of things that you don't just need. Uh, you have things in your home that you chose to have, things that you wanted to have. You simply wanted to have it. And it's not necessary, strictly speaking. If you think about it, the stuff that's in your home, lots of stuff, 
uh, tells, kind of tells a story about you and the kind of things that you desire, the kinds of things that you seek after. Um, you desire it, you seek it, you find it. And when you find it, it comes home. It comes home. You're a seeker. Did you know that? Your house, your home shows that. Marie Kondo's first book came out in 2014, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. The second one was 2016, Spark Joy. Um, Do you know these books? Behind her success, tremendous success, right? Behind that success, she tapped into a nerve in our culture. By global standards, especially in the West, in Canada, in Toronto, we're very wealthy. We're very, quite prosperous in this society of ours. Um, we've accumulated many things in our homes, and, and we're not satisfied, still not satisfied. So maybe the solution is to actually get rid of a lot of our stuff. Well, uh, in the passage today we're looking at, we meet a man with lots of stuff in his house, Zacchaeus. He's rich. His house is full of wealth, luxuries, and he is not satisfied. And what he finds, and what we see in in the narrative, what he finds is the source of true satisfaction. He finds it, it, and is there for us to seek as well. And surprisingly, the source of true satisfaction is not a thing. It's a person. It's, it's a person who, it turns out, is actually seeking as well, seeking you himself. Here's the two main points uh, for the sermon this morning. Jesus came to seek the lost, point one. Point two, so that you can seek him. Point one, Jesus came to seek the lost. Point two, so you can seek him. Okay. First point. The passage opens, and Jesus is passing through Jericho. Verse 2 says this, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, some historical context at this point. Uh, Israel, at at the, the, the time of this passage, Israel is not a kingdom. It's not. They have no, like, autonomy. That land of Israel is actually a, it's a province in the Roman Empire. They're under the Roman boot, as it were. And the Romans, what do they do? They collect taxes from their whole empire. They collect taxes. But that's unpopular to do. So what do they do? They get other people to do that, to, to do their dirty work, as it were. They get Jewish nationals to do that. Now, the salary for this job was zero dollars. So the tax collectors would take the quota. They would give to the Romans what they want. they get the quota. Uh, but then they would take extra over top of what they're required to gather. That's where they got their income. And the Romans didn't care. As long as they got what they wanted, they didn't care what else happened. That was fine. That's not hard to see that this system was open to abuse, and it was abused, rampantly abused. Um, now here's Zacchaeus. 
We don't have his backstory. We don't, it's not in the passage, right? But he signed up for the deal with Rome. He broke bad. Okay, now he's, he's in with the Romans. He became a tax collector. And what began to happen was that he began to accumulate wealth. And, and he rose in the ranks. He did well. He, he's obviously good at this because he got more responsibility. He became a chief tax collector. But at the same time, as he's more and more successful and more and more profitable, uh, at the same time, he's more and more hated by his neighbors around him. They hate him. Tax collectors in, in, in Roman Palestine um, were hated in, in a way that's hard for us to understand. And, and Zacchaeus, as he grows more and more wealthy, finds himself more and more isolated from his community, from the people around him. He decided to seek wealth, or maybe he's seeking the things that, that wealth brings, like, like power, like status, um, and so on. He set his desire, whatever it was, on that thing, and he was seeking it, and he got it. But he's not satisfied, still not satisfied. The Great Gatsby is a classic American novel of the 1920s, and I read it a long time ago, so I forget everything. So I, I did what any self-respecting person would do. I went on Spark Notes, of course. So it's all, this is also a movie. Have you seen this movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. Anyway, the story begins, and Jay Gatsby is um, a rich young man, kind of rags-to-riches story. After World War I, he made a fortune in organized crime, bootlegging and selling false securities and, and, and so on. Now he's living as the novel begins. He's living in a fabulous house in Long Island. Um, but his whole desire in life, what, what motivates all of his success, the wealth, the parties, lavish parties, his whole motivation is to win the heart of one woman named Daisy Buchanan. He fell in love with her before the war. He kind of promised that, he would, that they would come, come back together, uh, and then she married another man while he was off fighting. She's married to another man who doesn't love her. And Jay Gatsby is driven. He, he's the kind of man, he can imagine it, he can, he can build it, he can make it happen. But the tragedy of the story is that he is blind to the flaws of, of the woman that he's pursuing. To him, da- Daisy is, is all perfection. She's beautiful, charming. She's sophisticated, aristocratic. Um, in fact, the, the narrative shows you that she's not perfect. She's a flawed character. But Gatsby is blind to her flaws. All, in all his life, it, in this passionate pursuit, his life begins to unravel. And in a way, I think that Zacchaeus, I think that Jay Gatsby, they're really larger-than-life portraits of, of all of us as well. I said earlier that you're a seeker, whoever you are. You seek things. And I want to ask, how do you seek? What does that look like for you as a seeker? 
I think that human beings, we land in all different places on this question. Uh, for some of us, for example, it's the, the idealistic kind of seeking. You seek after that thing, whatever it is, with like gusto. You are driven. That's Jay, Jay Gatsby. You know what you want. You are like locked on to that thing. Your whole self, you're engaged in, in the pursuit. And maybe, maybe it's a relationship like Jay Gatsby. Maybe it's a, a program acceptance. Maybe it's a career. Uh, maybe it's a, some kind of achievement or, or otherwise. Some of you here today are idealistic kind of seekers. And I want to say that if this is you, um, you're in a vulnerable position. Because when you lock your heart onto something with such intensity, and when that thing itself is changeable, it's fickle, it's uncertain, that is a vulnerable place to be. And the Great Gatsby is a tragedy. There are many tragedies like it in our city. And I must warn you, because one of two things will happen. Either your dream will fail and it will destroy you, or you will get what you want, and years later, you find yourself in the next camp, the restless, the restless, the restless seeker. That's someone who used to be an idealistic seeker. You used to know what you wanted, but then you got it, and now what? Is this all there is? But you're a seeker by nature, so what do you do? You find yourself um, looking at other things, seeking something else. I think we see that in our passage in Zacchaeus. What about you? Are you restless? Are you looking for something? Looking in many, many places, uh, scrolling down the infinite scroll whether you're a Christian or, or not. Is this you? Are you restless? However you seek, whether you tend to be idealistic or, or restless, or there's other kinds too. There's, there's despairing, there's indifferent, kind of calloused. Can we admit, men and women, that we are discontent? Can we admit that, that underneath that discontent, there is a, a spiritual condition, a deep spiritual condition? We're lost. Now, if you're a Christian, you can sing Amazing Grace, right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Yes. But there's another old hymn, and we actually sing it pretty often at Grace West, prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love, the God I love, come thou found. If you're a Christian, I know this about you because I know this about myself. You're prone to wander. You're prone to get lost and lose your way. Now, I'm a pastor, and pastors are the worst. They're the biggest posers. They tell everyone what to do, and they don't do it themselves, Okay. Sometimes people come up to me and they ask me, hey, Jeff, how's that interest? How's that hobby? You were talking about that a lot a while ago. And, I, and I'm like, what? 
Oh, yeah. And now I'm exposed because that thing that I was talking a lot about with a lot of people like some months ago, that thing, I totally dropped it. I don't do that anymore. Because why? Because I'm restless, men and women. I am. <laughs> I've done that with like, um, okay, a lot of things. Sports teams, I've tried to follow like three different sports teams. I'm like, ah, I get, get bored. I've tried that with a modern language. Ah, I don't know, I kind of get tired of that after a while. I've tried that with um, lots of interests. Okay, I'm not going to go too far down. This <laughs> will start to get too embarrassing. But um, restless, restless. Now, you're either, you're either lost or you're a Christian and you're prone to get lost. Yes? And we don't need help, like we need someone to just give you a map and then you'll figure it out. No, you need Jesus to come, like a shepherd, and find you wherever you are wandering. You need Jesus to pick you up, lay you across his shoulders, and walk back to the rest of the flock. Walk you home. That's what you need. That's what I need. This is what I'm saying. You need Jesus to take the initiative in your life to seek you and to find you. And to the degree you realize that, you see Jesus as he sees himself, as a savior. Not a life coach, not a therapist. No, your need goes far deeper than that. You need a savior who came to seek and save the lost. And you can hope, you can put your hope in him because, you know what? He seeks you more powerfully than you seek any of those other things that lead you astray. You have a powerful impulse to seek. Jesus, Jesus seeks you more powerfully than you seek other things that lead you to wander. He is more powerful than you. Jesus came to seek the lost. Second point. Jesus came to seek the lost so you can seek him. So you can seek him. Back into the text. Jesus came to seek the lost. That's why he's been walking around Palestine for three years. That's why he's in Jericho. In this passage, Jesus is seeking lost people. And that's why Zacchaeus even has the chance to seek Jesus. Um, so that's what he does. All he wants is to see Jesus, just as he's passing by. So he climbs up a tree, a resourceful man. He climbs a tree. Um, so there he is, in a tree, looking a bit silly. And Jesus then comes near, this celebrity teacher. There's a whole buzz in the town. He's coming through. Um, a crowd of spectators on the road, on both sides of the road, you can imagine this. And Jesus stops, and he looks up. Zacchaeus, come down, hurry. I must stay at your house today, he says. It's not, Zacchaeus, are you free? Zacchaeus, is this a good time? Could I trouble you? No, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. I picture Jesus with a, a smile on his face when he says this. We're born into the world looking for someone who is looking for you. 
were born that way. And this passage gives you a glimpse of what it looks like to seek the one who is seeking you, how to seek him. How do you seek Jesus? It is not like how you seek other things. You might exhaust yourself seeking other things. You might, you might work your hands to the bone seeking other things. Seeking Jesus is not like that because at the heart of it, it is a, a seeking in grace, in his grace. And that does not mean that you exhaust yourself. It means, well, basically it means that you realize two things. First, you realize your sin. One of the Proverbs in the Bible says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. Now, Zacchaeus has been living in God's world. He's been using God's gifts, but he ignores God. That's evident in the way that his, his life choices. He doesn't love his neighbor. He's not an ethical person. Does he deserve Jesus' attention? He does not. No, he doesn't. No way. This godly teacher, this righteous man, does he deserve his time? He doesn't. Neither do you and I deserve his time. We don't deserve Jesus' attention. We're we're actually much more like Zacchaeus than we are different from him. We live in God's world. We live on God's time. We, We enjoy God's gifts. Um, but our, our greatest desire, our deepest de- desires are so often locked onto other things, not God. No. We give God, we, we, we end up giving God the leftovers of our time and our energy. So how to seek Jesus? First, you realize your sin. Second, you realize his love. Zacchaeus, um, now he's got a house guest to his great shock. Jesus is in his home, and they spend the day together, and we don't know what they talked about, but, I, but I'm sure that Zacchaeus realizes at some point that Jesus is taking a personal interest in him. He's not using him the way that everyone else who seems to like him just wants his money, just wants, you know, this rich man. You can, if you can be friend, friends with a, with a rich man, then you're set. No, Jesus is genuinely interested. He gives his full attention to Zacchaeus. Now, we're used to saying, um, Jesus loves me. That's a song that we teach to kids, right? But here's, a, here's a, kind of a different angle on it. If it was you in the place of Zacchaeus. Jesus would spend the day with you and be quite content with that. And he's not looking at his watch. He's not looking at his phone. Because Jesus is interested in you, in who you are. He's the kind of person who asks good questions. He, He gives you his undivided attention. He enjoys your company. He knows how to get to the heart of things. He asks you thoughtful questions, heart questions. 
Um, Jesus gives Zacchaeus his full time, his undivided self, his full, his full attention a whole day together, which really gives you just a glimpse of Jesus' self-giving. Because this was a theme of his entire life, his self-giving to others around him. Soon Jesus is going to leave Jericho. He's going to Jerusalem. And his whole life of self-giving is going to climax when he gives his body to be broken and he gives his blood shed on, on the cross. And Jesus will do it for Zacchaeus. He is a rich man, but he's living with a mountain of moral debt that he can't pay. And Jesus is going to take the bill and nail it to the cross. That's what he's going to do. Paid in full. Here's how you seek Jesus. You seek him in his grace. That means that you realize your sin. It means you realize his love for you, for you. His love that paid your debt also, men and women. You who believe in him, who simply, simply believe in him. That's all. Seek him. This is the opposite of the kind of seeking where you exhaust yourself or you go from like one thing to the next, so restless. Seeking Jesus is the opposite of exhausting and restless. Um, seeking Jesus, for example, it sounds like the, the prayer of belief in the bulletin. We have this in the, in the middle panel of your bulletin. Here's what it says. Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I'm weak and sinful, but through you I am loved and accepted. Thank you for paying my debt on the cross. Thank you for taking my sins and granting me complete forgiveness. I believe that you've been raised from the dead, and I now turn to you as my Savior and Lord. Amen. If you are lost, if you're not yet a Christian, that's what it sounds like to seek him. You can begin to talk to him that way. You can pray that prayer. You could pray that today. Why not? What's stopping you? It's there. He's right there. If you're a, a Christian and you're wandering, so prone to wander, if you're wandering, if you're restless, you can, what can you do? You can pray that same prayer because it's not fundamentally different. How to, how to turn back to Jesus when you've been wandering is not fundamentally different from turning to him for the first time. You seek him in his grace. You realize, admit your sin. You lay hold of his love. You, you realize his love for you. And you can, you can do that today. Why not? You can return to him from your wandering. Return to him today. What's stopping you? He's there. Seek him. Whoever you are, 
wherever you are, seek Jesus in his grace. Seek him. He is the one, in fact, who is seeking you and has been leading you to this point. Zacchaeus has a lot of things in his house. As we said, he's a, he's a wealthy man. But at the end of this passage, he has got a new thing in his house. And it's not like anything else that he has. Verse 9, Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this house. And do you hear the joy in Zacchaeus' voice? Do you, do, in, in, in what he said, Behold, Lord! <laughs> do you hear his sense of freedom? His wealth doesn't control him anymore. He's not trapped in this, in this dead-end pursuit. He's not trapped in restlessness. We know that. We know that he's not controlled by wealth anymore. We know that because he <laughs> cuts his net worth in half at an instant. That is, that's not my master anymore. I have a new master, a better, a better. It actually, it's more than half because what does he say? He says, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. If I've, defraud, if I've defrauded anyone, I restore it fourfold. Fourfold. He has found, why? Because he's found something more satisfying, true satisfaction. And that joy and that freedom can be yours, men and women. You do not find joy by looking for joy. You don't get freedom by trying to be free. You seek Jesus, and that is all you need to find true joy and true freedom. So seek Jesus today. Admit your sin, realize his love, and bring salvation home. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your heart to seek the lost, and we thank you for sending your Son into this world to come and to seek human beings, men and women, who are lost, who are wandering, who are like sheep without a shepherd. We thank you for his, um, his love, his compassion. He is not turned away by exteriors, um, the way that other people are. He is uh, drawn to lost people like Zacchaeus, like all of us today who admit our lostness and our wandering and, and who look to you, who simply bring our need to you. We thank you for loving us and for seeking us. We pray that this, this portrait of Jesus would, would, by your spirit, Lord, implant itself in our hearts so that we might live as a people um, who seek the one who seeks us, and, and that with joy. Amen.